I wish I lived next door to Ashley Abercrombie. (laughs) Her heart for people and for the truth was so refreshing to me that I wanted to hear her talk for as long as I possibly could. She is an author of an incredible eye-opening book called Rise of the Truth Teller. She's the co-founder of a sex trafficking ministry and just an all-around faithful and kind woman. On this episode, we are talking about what she does to love on women inside of strip clubs, how sex trafficking has the potential to affect your teenagers and women in your sphere, and what you can do about it. She shares the importance of telling the truth about ourselves rather than telling everyone the truth about other people. That was so good. And she asks the hard-hitting and important question, what does it mean to value integrity over image? Let's jump in. We were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and crazy, but when we do life together, it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life and happy parenting, healthy marriages, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I also love sharing all the secrets about things that have worked for me so that they can help you. On Living Easy, I really like to dig deep. We will laugh together and struggle together. You'll hear honest insight and practical tips about things like time management, building a brand, traveling, strengthening your faith in your marriage, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today I am here with Ashley Abercrombie, author of Rise of the Truth Teller, and I am so excited for you guys to hear her. I, As I was reading your blog, Ashley, and your book and everything that you've done, I immediately felt so drawn to you Mm. because that has been really the foundation of my ministry is to... I mean, just to talk about the raw truth and the hardship and the stuff that people don't really talk about. And I love that you do that. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got to where you are? Yes, I would love to. And thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me on your podcast. And I love that you share that same heart. So I was born and raised in North Carolina in the Southeast of the United States, and then um, moved when I was 21 to Los Angeles. I was actually just trying to run away from my life. Mm, I get it. (laughs) And then I spent, yep, I think everybody has those moments. (laughs) And I spent the next 15 years living in LA where I met my husband, Cody, and we had our first baby, Levi. And then three and a half years ago, we made a new adventure with our family and moved to Manhattan. And we've been living here for three and a half years. We had our second son, Lucas. And, you know, writing has been a part of my journey for all of my life since I was a little girl. And I always had a deep burning desire to be a writer full time. Mm. And so when I was, um, you know, moving towards that dream. Of course, there's so much waiting in a dream, so much effort, so much um, perseverance and resilience required when you are building a dream. But last October, just a couple of years shy of my 40th birthday, became a full-time writer and speaker. And so that, yeah, it's awesome. And thank you. And I've loved the truth, you know, same as you, Lindsay, like that's been an important part of my story. And I come from a very long lineage of spitting, kicking, truth-telling women, you know? (laughs) Yes. Um, And at the same time, in the South where I was raised, sometimes truth-telling means telling the truth about other people. Mm. And so my personal journey has really been learning to tell the truth about myself and being able to own my story and tell it like it is and just begin to to live life 
with some holy gumption. And that's been a really life-changing experience for me to journey towards integrity and to value integrity over image and to become a person whose yes means yes and no means no. And what you see is what you get. And I had a PhD in pretending, you know, so Mm. I had to lay that down to really get honest about my life. But it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. (laughs) That's so good. I love those. I love the integrity over image and not telling the truth about other people and instead telling the truth about yourself. There's something that you had said in your writing that said, we don't have to lie to live. We can actually own our story, show up and be the real us in our holistic, beautiful mess. So do you mind sharing Mm -hmm. a little bit about the past sin, the past struggle, what you've overcome and why you feel so passionate about not telling other people's stories but why it's so important for us to tell our own story. Totally. Well, I think, you know, for me, dealing with addiction, right? So drugs, abusive alcohol, eating disorders were a huge part of my story and my journey. And, you know, I was sexually assaulted in college by a guy on campus that I knew but did not know well. I'm so and sorry. enduring that, yeah, thank you. And I think enduring that was such a difficult time. And so many women have gone through this. I mean, mm-hmm. the reported statistics are one in four, and those are only reported cases. I never told anyone about the rape. That I experienced. And you think about what the real numbers actually could be. And so women are suffering in silence. I mean, go through so many difficult things in this life. And I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up learning words like trauma or how to Mm. deal with trauma or how to deal with stress or how to deal with difficult things. And so I learned to push them down somewhere where nobody could see them. And I learned that maybe if you didn't acknowledge them, perhaps they didn't exist, or maybe you could just pretend like it wasn't there and keep on moving. But the truth is it, whatever's inside of you has a way of getting out. And for me, it came out through addiction. It came out through dysfunctional relationships. It came out through me consuming media and entertainment in a way that was just honestly repeating my trauma. And so for me, I had to really, um, you know, grab a hold of what do I want my life to be? And honestly, I don't know that it was this, you know, awakening moment of like, wow, I should just be this person who values integrity over image, you know, because when you're in the thick of it, you're not thinking about those quippy, cute little sayings. You're thinking about like, (laughs) you know, I want to freaking be free from this, you know? And so- and that was me. I got to the end of my rope. I was exhausted and tired and so sick of trying to pretend I was someone that I wasn't. And I think that's really where it landed. It was like, I, you know what? I'm done doing this. I'm willing to try anything that will lead me to freedom. And my dear friend, Harmony Grillo talks about this and she says, what, what does it take to find freedom? It takes whatever it takes. You know? yes. And so for me, that looked like recovery groups and therapy and you know support groups and relearning friendship. Because I had always been a person in friendship that people came to for advice and people came to for wisdom and people came to me to help take care of them. And I'm not putting that all on them because I was making the decision to play that part in our relationship and I wasn't being honest and I wasn't operating in reciprocity. Mm. But there did come this point where I had to realize I also have needs and it's okay to say that I have them and it's okay to allow others to show up for me and meet my needs as well. And in fact, who wants a perfect friend? Like how crappy is that? You know, where I'm like, I have everything you need. Just come to me, this one-stop shop, but I never have any needs. You you can meet. It's It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yes. And it's the worst kind of friend, you know, because people leave, you know, feeling like crap and feeling like you're awesome. And so I no longer wanted to be that person. So journeying out of that, you know, was the process of, of wholeness and integrity and recovery. 
Hmm. And that's, like you said, women who have been abused, women who have struggled with addiction or individuals in general who struggle with pride or selfishness Mm -hmm. or greed, all of it is bondage. Some of it is just external where we can see it, Mm -hmm. but we all have some sort of bondage. And I love that you talk about freedom because that is like, I'm not into the, that's my word for the year, but that's been my word for the year and just experiencing freedom and fighting for freedom, not just expecting it to come to me, but also choosing to flee from sin, like scripture calls us to, and not just pretending it doesn't exist or pretending that I'm stronger than that sin. And so just for women who are struggling right now with bondage in anything and just feeling enslaved to their sin, what would be your encouragement to them in the moments where you felt, I I mean, the best visual I have right now for whatever reason is just like nailed down to the floor because Mm. the weight is bearing on you so heavily. What is, what is the response in that if somebody is experiencing that right now? Well, my response and one of the most powerful knowings that I feel like I could give someone who's in that place is to remind you that you are not alone. And I think that is one of the strongest tactics that the enemy of our soul has is that he gets us into isolation and he begins to lie to us in such a way that we start to believe that we are alone and that we are the only one who is experiencing this. And in fact, there's something broken within us and that's the reason we're experiencing this. And the truth is you're not alone. You are not alone alone in addiction. You are not alone in your struggles. You are not alone in your pain or your character flaws or your issues or your problems. All of that is very common to the human experience. And so I think we have this idea that life is supposed to be perfect. And not only is life supposed to be perfect, but we're supposed to be perfect. And we, mm-hmm. when we fall short of that mark, we begin to lay even heavier burdens on top of us because we're not meeting this perfect standard that's not even God's. It's either ours or it's expectations other people have put on us or standards yes. that someone's holding over our head. Even if it's someone from our past, an old teacher, a coach, a you know parent, a aunt an uncle, a grandparent who has put this sort of standard over you of who you should be and how you're not measuring up. And part of journeying out of this bondage is to recognize that God has a standard over you and a banner over you and his banner is love and love is patient and it is kind and it is not easily angered. It is not irritable. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It always believes. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And so when you think about it like that, you actually are not alone in your pain and you actually can just let go and allow the Lord to love you and to care for you. And I think when we give ourselves the freedom to admit, God, I'm broken and actually I'm not supposed to be perfect. You know that I'm broken. And in fact, that's what humans are. So God help me. And in that place of uncovering and in that place of walking out of denial with God, and with ourselves, it gives us courage to then uncover in front of others who Mm. can be a safe space for us to journey and walk to freedom. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so encouraging (laughs) to me. Yes, it's true. And I, it's so funny because the enemy convinces us that vulnerability in the moments when we are vulnerable, that that is us fighting against ourselves. But in the Mm -hmm. moments that we are vulnerable, we are releasing the bondage that we have over us. We're releasing that power because once it's in the light, he loses his power over it because God then has control. And for me, I felt that being vulnerable would cause people to judge me or have opinions. Mm -hmm. And some may have, some did actually, but the freedom that that brought in knowing who I was 
in the sight of Christ and knowing the people around me who can love and giving them a chance to love and support me in mm-hmm. my pain was one of the most beautiful things that has ever happened mm-hmm. to me. And so speaking of abuse and society and this cover that we place over ourselves, would you be willing to share a little bit about your nonprofit treasures? I saw that you were involved with sex trafficking and how has this changed your life and how can others help and be a part and be aware of it? Mm-hmm. So my dear friend, Harmony Grillo, that I mentioned earlier, is mm-hmm. the founder and executive director of Treasures. And she has this remarkable story that I recommend every single person go look it up. She has a great BuzzFeed video. She has so many videos on the Treasures website. And I am part of that executive board. I went on the very first Treasures outreach in Los Angeles. And now we have trained in over a hundred cities on six continents, women to do sex industry outreach and provide support to women who are in the sex industry or who are being sexually exploited. And so it is a powerful outreach tool. And what we do is we go into strip clubs or into brothels, whatever the context is and whatever country it is. But for us, we go into strip clubs once a month and we go with a beautiful little gift. It has inside like the little gift bag, it has matchbox and it has some earrings and it has some lip gloss and lip gloss is really sort of our signature gift that we give away. Mm -hmm. And we have these little bags that we take into the dressing rooms or into the clubs and we're able to give to the women and we're not going in to tell them they need to change their life or they need to stop stripping or they need to you know stop cussing and do all the things that they may or may not be doing but we go in with a simple message that you are loved you are valued and you are purposed and with that message we have seen so many women who are in need of support join our peer-to-peer mentoring group or get involved in some of our different programming or be able to receive funding or help from treasures to um, either journey with them as they are in the sex industry or help them journey out if that's their choice to do so. And so it's mm-hmm. been a really powerful opportunity. And you know what most people don't realize about the sex industry is that 70% of domestic human trafficking happens through the commercial sex industry. So that's mm-hmm. happening on porn sets, that's happening in strip clubs, that's happening, you know, in brothels, which are are here in America. And so I think that that is a really important thing for people to know because when we think about sex trafficking, very often the first image people think of is like, oh, Liam Neeson and Taken, or we think about yes. someone getting kidnapped, or we think about this, that, and the other. And of course, those things do happen, but at the same time, 70% of it is through the commercial sex industry. And I think if we could really get a hold of what that means for our lives, I think people would consume materials differently. They would be thinking about how 70% of porn is likely, you know, someone is likely doing this without really having a choice to do what they're doing, or thinking about women in strip clubs who may have made a choice to be there, but what is choice if you have no options, right? So there's a ceiling over Mm. people's head that make them do what they go to do. And so Treasures has been a really wonderful experience for me personally. And I have loved engaging with that work for the last 15 years and just seeing on the ground how people's lives can change over time. And I think another thing about outreach that's really wonderful and so like the heart of God is that there's nothing instant about it. Like you really are sowing seeds and being prayerful and being mindful and Mm -hmm. getting to know others and seeing them as, you know, human beings made in the image of God. And you're humanizing the woman on the other end of the dollar and beginning to know her and learn her and love her and care for her. And I think that that's a really important part of this process. Like it's not instant. The wins aren't instant. The outcomes aren't instant. And most, most of it is very unknown. But I think that's that's a really powerful thing. And that expresses the love of God and the heart of God yeah. really powerfully. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Of I, course. It's, it's incredible. I, um, I visited Amsterdam when mm. I was in college. 
and we passed unintentionally through the red light district and I was so confused as to why women would do that because Mm. not to get too graphic, but you would see girls standing at windows and you would see like young girls and you would then watch 80, 75 year old men Mm. walking into these places and then they close a curtain and I didn't understand sex trafficking. And so when I got home, I just started researching and Mm. all of those women are for, I think a lot of people turn a blind eye to sex trafficking because yes. they don't understand it or they don't – it doesn't seem like it's something that is relevant to them. And yeah. and not that we only listen to relevant things, but if it's not in our, our sphere, sometimes it feels like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Right. But I recently talked to a CIA agent and he said – Of course you did. That's, well, that's like a great, that's a great like lead in Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, talk about bearing the lead. Like I just, the other day I was just chatting to a CIA agent. Well, like, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it really was. So he's an ex CIA agent, but he is the head. And this is something we can talk about another time, maybe just mm. the two of us, but that he was the head of kind of cutting the snake down the middle, so to speak mm. of sex trafficking and not getting the head, not getting the tail, mm. but really finding the issue. And one thing that he shared with me was that the majority of sex traffickers now are utilizing social media and Instagram and TikTok and calling themselves sugar daddies. And that is when we need to really open our eyes and say, okay, this is important to me. This can affect my family because these men – and do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how women get sex trafficked. What happens? Do they volunteer into this? What is the process? Can you share that with our listeners? Of course. And I think it, you know, it varies. I don't feel that I'm the best person to talk about the the new ways, you know, women are being trafficked from the social media perspective or those different things. But like we do actually have an outreach ministry that is online and digital. So the places where women are being marketed online, we actually have people who go in there and we put ads up for treasures and we have different women who are responding to online things so that we can be a presence in that space. Mm. And so I think that's really awesome. When Backpage was doing a bunch of stuff with women and doing all kinds of illegal things, they've now had to stop it. I mean, it's moved elsewhere, but you know, from Craigslist and all these different places, we have been a presence in those spaces. So you're right. Online is a really important place for us to be guarding ourselves and to be thoughtful and um, mindful consumers and mm-hmm. uh, make sure if we have children, we're thinking about how they are interacting with the internet and what could be happening for them, just being aware of the signs of the dangers. And then I think so many women, you know, we know women who began stripping in strip clubs because they had cancer treatments to pay for. And we know women mm. who began stripping in strip clubs because they have children that they need to provide for. And we know right. women who, you know, have had a bad background that is very difficult and have gone through some very harmful experiences. I mean, think about children who get sexually abused, you know, from your formative years on, you are being taught that your body is to be used for pleasure and that your body can be exploited. And so Mm -hmm. as you continue through that cycle over a lifetime, some of those things just make sense as next steps. And then, um, you know, many women may be in college. Some women also, you know, um, we had a gal and she now runs this incredible education ministry called, um, the Sowers Group, and her name is Rachel Sowers, and she actually was comes from an amazing family, like upper middle class family, and she went to college in Atlanta. And as a person who is the least likely person to be trafficked, ended up in a situation where somebody had some stuff over her, and then she became trafficked, like in Atlanta on her campus. Wow. And so it's like it can it can happen 
in a variety of ways. And I don't think that that's something that can make us fearful, but something that is, you know, we just have to be wise and we have to be smart and we have to understand what this industry looks like. And there's some great resources that I could email you to put in your show notes for women. That would be great. um, To be able to look at. And I would say, you know, I loved what you were mentioning earlier, kind of about boiling the problem down to like, what can we really do? Because it feels so overwhelming. It's like, man, this massive global problem, millions of people are, you know, trapped in slavery. What does this look like? You know, I always love to tell this story about my dear friend, Michelle. She took her kids to the park, and this is a mom who works full-time but has three little kids, and she took her kids to the park, and there was just this instinct she had about another mother who was there with her son, and she had an instinct about it. And so instead of you know just being like, oh, I don't know, she's going to think I'm weird, or maybe it's scary to talk to her, or, you know what, I just don't have time today, she took a moment to begin talking to this young woman and started up a conversation with her and was asking her different questions. And turns out later, as they stayed connected, they exchanged phone numbers, began to talk talk, began to dialogue, this young woman was actually taking her son to the park for the very last time because she had crafted a plan to commit suicide later that day. Mm. And so what's hard, what's beautiful about this story, I mean, obviously that's very hard to hear, but come to find out she was a, an escort, a woman working as an escort and just was like at the end of her rope, didn't know what else to do, was so sick of being in the business, so sick of being in the life, but really felt like she had no other options. Like what else would she do? And she had had a long um, time in the sex industry. So it's not like she had a resume or different job skills that she could put on paper for people to be able to find another opportunity. Right. And so my friend allowing the Holy Spirit to lead her in that moment of her life, there was an intersection between a woman who was being exploited in the commercial sex industry and her. Mm. And she did not take her own life. In fact, she began to get involved with treasures and joined our programs and went through our therapy group and began to have peer-to-peer mentoring and has this radical, beautiful story of redemption. It's not a perfect story, just like mine's not perfect. I'm sure yours isn't perfect, but this beautiful story of redemption. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's how we can be mindful. Like, is there a person in our life that we need to go deeper with? Is the Holy Spirit leading us in a moment to start up a conversation? Is there a young person who may be vulnerable, who may not have an adult in their life that they can really trust? Is there an intersection in our life and theirs that could then keep people from being vulnerable to allow them to advocate and have agency in the world for themselves? What would that look like? And so this is not some big problem that we can't touch. It's like in my day-to-day life, there are people who have needs and my life is intersecting all the time with opportunities for us to be able to connect with others in a way that would be meaningful and valuable for their life you yeah. know? and for ours, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I, I think when we take the time, like you're saying, when you, when you listen in obedience and you stop and we take the time to listen to someone's story, compassion increases and empathy yes. increases. And we have yes. the ability to love rather than from a distance. Because before, like I said, before I really started researching sex trafficking, I kind of thought, oh, they put themselves here. And yes, that's very ignorant yeah. and naive, but- Most uh, people do though, Lindsay. That's right. true. Yeah. And that's why I want to address it because it's so important to me now where I realize that some of these girls are are filling out job applications in Europe. Right. I, this, I heard this story recently. A girl is filling out a job application in Europe to help provide for her family because her dad just lost his job. And what yeah. do you put on an application? You put an address and a name and your phone number and all of your personal information. And she went to take a bus to this place and it was basically a prison where they mm. beat her and raped her and took her. Mm. And then there are other girls who meet a 
boyfriend and they think he loves her and he gives her the world and then he drugs her and takes her away from everything she knows with no money and says, you need to be a prostitute. And so I think it's that perspective of it can happen to my best friend. It can happen to my neighbor. It can happen. And we're called to love our neighbor. And so how can we be a part? And I believe so much of that begins with just being present and opening our homes and our doors and allowing people to be a part of our lives. But also, like you said, taking steps to join ministries or to be a part of groups. And so thanks for touching on that. It's something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And I really love what you guys are doing. And I'm, I'm really proud of your work. I just think it's incredible. We are too. And I just think you just never know what God can do with something little. So I even encourage people who are listening to this, you know, thinking, man, I've got this dream in my heart. Like I remember we would, Harmony first had the idea to go into strip clubs as she was driving by the club she used to work at, which was close to LAX in Los Angeles, the airport, the major airport that's there. And she had some handwritten Mm -hmm. notes in her car. So she just began to write on the back of them and then stuck the notes on all the girls' cars that she used to work with, just letting them know like you're loved, you're valued, you're purposed. And so I think like that small seed became a monthly ministry, which became all these other opportunities for us to love and engage with women and then global trainings around the world. And who could have predicted that? You know, like, yes, who could have predicted yes. it? So I think just knowing that whatever's in your hand right now, you can start so small, whatever your dream is, whether it's writing or it's speaking or it's starting a business or it's, you know, homeschooling your kids or it's whatever your dream is. I think starting small and being consistent is so valuable and so undervalued in our social media instant culture, but we really need that. One of the things I love the most about this podcast is having the opportunity to be a part of a community. I love sharing free and helpful content to make your life just a little bit easier and a lot more joyful. So if after the podcast you want more, I have that for you. I am so thankful to have people as a part of my community that I can send relationship tips, meal prepping ideas, home decor tips, encouragement for motherhood, and so much more directly to their email. If you want to join thousands of others just like you who receive exclusive free printables and a bi-weekly newsletter from me filled with tons of helpful life hacks that are tailored specifically for you, all you have to do is sign up. Go to sparrowsandlily.com backslash community. You'll receive delicious recipes that we have tried as a family and love. You'll receive free subscriber-only content that is created by the interviewees that I speak to that will be sent directly to your email. And you'll also receive first access to giveaways, living easy courses, event info, and so much more. All you have to do is join our community. Go to sparrowsandlily.com. That's S-P-A-R-R-O-W-S and L-I-L-Y.com backslash community. Yeah, and don't you think that it's incredible because you see someone's story, like your story, Ashley. Mm-hmm. You see your story, and now you see what your story has become. Yeah. One that could have been filled with shame. One that yeah. could have just left you for dead, basically, where you said, you know what? I give up. I'm not going to pursue more. But God allows us to use our stories to yeah. encourage others, and he gives us comfort to give comfort yes. to others. And so how did you fight the shame and regret that you felt from your past mistakes and move forward in knowing that it was okay that you were forgiven and that you were that you did have grace poured upon you. 
Yeah. I think the the most powerful way that I did that honestly was starting to talk, like just to talk to others. When I was in safe spaces, whether it was recovery spaces or with dear friends or in small groups of women and realizing, wow, like we all have these crazy stories of, of abuse or addiction or dysfunctional relationships or these struggles that we go through every day or feeling like we're not enough or feeling like we're too much. And as I started to realize that I wasn't alone, it started to remove the stigma of shame because I realized, man, I'm not the only woman on earth who struggles with body image. And wow, I'm Mm -hmm. not the only woman on earth who has had terrible relationships with men. And wow, I'm not the only woman on earth who is hurting from this thing that happened when I was a kid. And as I started Mm -hmm. to do that more, it removed shame because I realized, wow, this stuff is just common to the human experience. And this is nothing to be embarrassed about. And when I started to do that, I think that's what really freed me up. Hearing stories, learning stories about others, that is what removes shame. Because again, when you feel alone and you feel like you're the only one, that increases shame and you're less likely to talk and you're less likely to share and you're less likely to be open with the things that you've experienced because you're afraid people are going to think you're weird or you're afraid people are going to think you're crazy or you're afraid people are going to think you're too much or not enough. So Mm -hmm. kind of pushing past that and talking has been the biggest way for me. In your new book, Rise of the Truth Teller, you challenge people to talk about relevant topics, which is just Mm -hmm. so cool because I think sometimes we just get caught up in our worlds and I'm guilty of it. I'm a mom. I have jobs. (laughs) I am a wife. I am in part of ministry. Like it is so easy to just be singular focused. And But you talk about the criminal justice system, abuse, Mm -hmm. racism, and so much more to break the silence on the pain and to rise up. So Can you tell me why these discussions are necessary among Christians, among people, and what you mean by, I love this phrase, by living with holy gumption? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would love to. Well, I think for me, I have always had, as you can hear from our conversation, had this desire for justice. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes justice can be a trigger world in 2019 that we're living in. Either people feel like it's a trigger word or they feel like it's this buzz like trendy word. But actually, biblically, you know, Moses created the Ten Commandments for covenant justice within the community. And so if you keep God as the primary source of your life and it's the primary thing that you look to and there are no other idols before him, and if you begin to worship him in his name only, then you begin to view your neighbor very differently. And when I say neighbor, I just mean people made in the image of God. And so I am less likely to be jealous and covet the things that my neighbor has if I'm loving God totally and completely as my provider, as the one who cares for me, as the one who makes things happen in my life. I am less likely to um, have adultery happen in my marriage if we are both looking at God. And so when you go through that list of Ten Commandments, it was really about how the interworkings of how we are supposed to live together as humanity. And so that at its core is biblical justice. And so that's a really important way to think about it. And in the world we're living in today as Christians, I think it's very important that we remind people that God has something to say about racism and God has something to say about sexism and God has something to say, you know, about injustice on the earth and exploitation and economic systems that are debilitating for people and for, you know, God has something to say about this from the beginning of the Bible to the end. And I wanted to make sure that we remember that, that church is not this thing that we do on Sunday morning, although it's beautiful. And my family, we do that every week and I love it. And it's been a part of my practice for almost 20 years. It's, it's a beautiful spiritual practice. And I love that. And however, what are we doing as a church if we have nothing to say? 
about yes. all the things that are happening in our world. What are yeah. we really doing if we don't have a word to say about it? And mm-hmm. what is good news to people if it doesn't speak to their context? You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. right, you should know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I can tell you as a former heathen that that doesn't work. No one wants <laughs> to hear that crap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but if you start dialoguing about the things people care about, you know, if you start talking about, wow, so you were at the Women's March, what did that feel like for you? And why are you there? And what do you think about this or that? And how do you feel about God and how he feels about women? You start to begin to unpack things with people. Then you really understand people actually are very hungry for truth. Mm. And for me, that's what drives holy gumption. And so holy gumption is not this thing that's like, oh, when I figure out my life calling, I'm going to live with some gumption. It's like, no, I have a life now. And even if you hate your life and you hate the job that you do, or you hate the moment you're in in your marriage, or you hate the moment you are in in your work or in your friendships or your family, whatever it is, even there, God has something for you to do. God has a way for you to live with holy gumption. He has truth. He wants you to speak. He has stories. He wants you to share. He has resilience. He's trying to build character. He's trying to develop hope. He wants to impart, and he wants to do that through you right where you are. Even if that is a couple of five-year-old kids or it's running an entire organization with thousands of employees, God is wanting you to live with holy gumption exactly where you are. And it has to intersect with the relevant issues that are in our day or what are we doing here? God has something to say and God uses us to say it. (laughs) I love that because the monotony of life, I think so. I've heard the question so many times, is this all there is? Is this really Mm. all there is? And I just want to scream, no, it's not all there is. There's so much more because we have these passions, these callings, and not that we may be in this perfect circumstance or where we even envisioned ourselves to be at this age, this time, but we have passions, we have giftings, we have opportunity. And if we're experiencing that monotony of life, I just believe that we need to dive even deeper into Mm -hmm. those passions, dive deeper into those gifts. What are you strong? in and run with it. Run, run, find ministries, find volunteer opportunities, find people who need to be loved because that servanthood, like I find at least for myself in the moments when I'm really struggling and I'm frustrated with my kids and I'm fighting with my husband and it's just like, what's going on right now? And I take a second to stop and it's pretty much always that I've just been so focused on myself. Right. And and when I- That's a whole thing. Yeah, it's wow. <laughs> the whole thing. It's so good. But when I take my eyes off of myself and I say, Lord, who do you want me to see? Who mm. do you want me to love? Who do you want me to serve? That joy returns yes. always. Like, yes. And not, not that it's a happiness because sometimes it's like I'm still feeling low. I'm still struggling. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that is where my strength comes from, is having the ability to serve. And I am not in any way, you guys, preaching this because I am not perfect at it at all. And that's why I have to keep coming back right. to the Word. I have to keep coming back to the Lord. Rid me of myself. Yeah. Less of me and more of you because it's just so easy to get caught up in us and totally. our lives and our monotony. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything about what you just said. And it is actually the same for me. That's my exact pathway out of myself is serving. Like I just, Mm -hmm. even in those moments, like, you know, I stay at home with my kids, but I also work full time. 
And so yeah. in those moments where I'm like, oh, I have so much to do. And can you guys just leave me alone, please? Like <laughs> somebody leave me, like leave me alone. You know, and I have to remember, God, you placed me here in this moment to serve and it's not about me. And I, yes, I have things to do, but also like, these are my littles. God, you gave these guys to me and I need to be faithful with what's right in front of me. And same when I'm working, it's like, I have to find a way to make it about serving others and helping people. And that helps me journey out of my selfishness because you're so right. And it's a woe is me world, right? Like, woe is me. Look at all my responsibilities. I'm so mad about the things that I have that I prayed for. Like, are you kidding me? Sometimes I'm like, get over yourself. <laughs> That's Ashley, a good point. What's problem, you know? <laughs> That's and, so and true. It is. And the same is true when we don't have what we prayed for. You know, you have to find yeah. a way to go, God, how can I help me celebrate the person who has all the things that I want? God, help me to not die over here in jealousy or heartbreak or disappointment. God, help me. You know, so I think we have to find a way to serve and to celebrate others and to care for people. And it does. It pulls us out of that routine and monotony because it's not about us and what we need. You know, it's about others. And that's yeah. huge. Yeah, that is so huge. And I, speaking of staying at home and working moms and all of these things that we've been discussing, one thing that you talked about in your book is fighting to resist demonizing, dehumanizing, and polarizing narratives. And it just makes me think of it because I feel like women at work, women at home, it's such a huge Mm -hmm. issue right now of who are you supposed to be? What do we support? But can you elaborate on what that means and how we can take steps toward fighting and resisting those narratives? Yes. I mean, I think that we are living in this digital age that we don't really know how it's affecting us, to be honest. Like 25 years ago, you couldn't even send a text message. Like I had a pager, Lindsay. Like I know. This is so real. You know, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 18. You know, even social media, like Instagram wasn't even massive 10 years ago. So I think if you really think about this, we don't know what it's doing to our brains. And we're starting to see it play out in society where we're looking at all these polarizing narratives. Like everyone is dividing themselves into a camp, you know, within the church and without, and they are deciding what they're, what they're against is defining people so much more than what they're for. And I think that we are constantly looking at others and and pointing fingers and saying what they're doing wrong and what we don't think is right. And because we're pushing ourselves into these corners and into these camps and we're becoming so tribal, I believe that it's really hindering the real work of community, which is we can all be together and not agree. And we can all be together and, and operate and civility and kindness and connection in a way that God has designed us to do. And so I want us as a people to be resisting that polarizing narrative. It's like, you can actually have a very diverse group of friends. You know, you can have women who are single in your life, women who are married in your life, older women, younger women, people with kids, people without kids, people who have crazy backgrounds, people who are different in economics, different in race. Like that is how it's supposed to be. And so for me, I really wanted to speak to how do I become I'm a person who is very aware of my own brokenness. So I'm not constantly trying to point out the brokenness of others, which is dividing and divisive and polarizing and isolating. And how do I also become a person who is willing to just walk across the room as, as a bridge builder and say, you know what, I know we don't agree on everything, but our starting point is human beings made in the image of God. God created you and God loves you. And he requires me to do the same. And so I think I wanted to continue to remind Christians that we have a higher responsibility in humanity and that it is not to surrender 
to these narratives. And it is not to begin to villainize others and make them villains of the story. We are supposed to actually look at every person made in the image of God. And Father Greg Boyle, and he created Homeboy Industries, which is a powerful ministry to people who were formerly incarcerated or who were in gang-related activity. I love that name. That's so cute. It's so good. (laughs) I know. And they make the best salsa and chips on the planet. Just FYI. So if you're in the grocery store, make sure they carry it. (laughs) But um, he says, God doesn't have enemies. God only has children. And so I have been journeying towards this place where I'm like, God, who are my enemies? And my enemies are your children. So God, how do I love my enemies? Which is what Jesus commands us in scripture to do. Mm-hmm. And so how do I be this person who, who continues to journey out of hatred and journey out of villainizing and journey out of polarizing others? Because that is not like Christ. And I wow. do not want to do that. I don't care if the pastor says I should do it. I don't care if like some global leader says I should do that. I will not stoop to that level. And God requires more of me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That could be an entire conversation. I'm so eager and willing. Like at the same time with my friends and my network, I just want to say, let's widen our perspectives. Yeah. And I think a huge thing that you touched on, Ashley, is the quote unquote unfriend me now culture. Right. Where we're saying if you voted for this mm-hmm. person, just unfriend mm-hmm. me now. I don't want anything to do with you. And the truth is that if we're putting everything that we believe in the place of who we are as a person, of course we're going to be offended by much. Yeah. Right. But if we <laughs> see it as a personal viewpoint, yeah. which is just that alone, it doesn't dictate the whole entity of a person. Mm-hmm then we have freedom to continue learning. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we can say, thank you so much for sharing that. I'll think about it. Mm -hmm. And we don't even have to think about it if we don't want to think about it. But we don't have to be like you're saying, polarizing and totally pushing people away rather than loving them just because they have a different viewpoint. And people have things to offer even if they voted for a different president or if they disagree on a political issue. And friendships are built that way. Like really strong friendships can be built that way. Mm -hmm. And testimonies are built that way Mm -hmm. of like, let me tell you my story. I don't agree with you, but I'd love to hear your side. And allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and to have those conversations. Because when will we have those conversations if we shut someone down immediately before we can hear their heart or why they believe what they believe. Yes, I agree. And I think that's one of the big dangers of the world we're living in is that we have reduced people down to this dualistic narrative, Mm -hmm. um, who they are and who they're not. And it's very one dimensional and it's so flat. And the truth is life is so much more nuanced than that. And so my experience is so much more nuanced than that. And I think about all the people, you know, abortion is part of my story. I think Mm -hmm. about that and that can, you say the word and it just is like, people just jump in a camp and assume all these different things. And I'm like, man, listen, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to have gone through that. I know what it means to make this decision. And I also know what these policies and laws will do to women. And so it's important that we do what you say. We listen to one another. And even as a pro-life person, I do not enjoy the public dialogue that we're hearing out of the church and that we're hearing out of Christians, because I'm like, this is so polarizing and so hateful and so shame-filled. And I don't think that's how God speaks to us. Mm. And I don't think that that's how compassion is expressed in the world. And I think there's a way to honor truth and honor conviction without shaming and blaming people. Um, And so I think, yeah, we have to be more nuanced and we do not need to accept the dualistic narratives that we have about one another. That's, it's just not the way of Jesus. You know, everybody has their own story and even his healing process. He never healed 
the same person. I mean, he never healed a person the same way twice. Mm. Like, think about that, Mm -hmm. how individual God is. And yet we want to put a blanket over everything. Everything should just be like this, or it shouldn't be like this, or it should be that or this. And it's like, come on guys. Like, no, that's so dualistic and so flat and it doesn't work. Like that's great theory. That is a work in practice, you know? Yeah. Um, So I just... Resist, resist, resist. (laughs) So good. Okay. So my last question for you, Ashley, even though I could talk to you for hours. So (laughs) can you just share what your, on the flip side, what your vulnerability and openness and being willing to talk about these things, like thank you for sharing that you have a Mm -hmm. history of abortion and addiction Mm -hmm. and abuse because that I can even just feel the freedom from some of the people Mm -hmm. who are listening. Can you share the impact? I know that it's positively impacted you, but can you also share any impact that you've seen on other people by being willing to be so forthcoming with your story? Yes. It's been a really beautiful thing to see. And I want you to keep in mind as you're listening to this, that I have been telling my story for close to 20 years. And so I think that, you know, it started with just a few people and then small groups of people. And then, you know, the, the rings kept getting a, a bit larger about people, but I'm secure from the center with my close relationships and people who keep me grounded so I can handle all the stuff because people process your story very differently, everyone who hears it. Mm-hmm. But what I have seen is that it gives people this wonderful opportunity to exhale, like, okay, I'm not the only one. And you can talk about these things and wait a minute, God cares about my pain. And there's an intersection of my faith and my story and wait, my story can actually make a difference in somebody else's life. And I feel like those are the things that I keep hearing from others where they're realizing either they have a story to tell, or it's important that they start to share their story with people or that they begin to own it in such a way that they have the hard conversations that are necessary for healing, whether it's with family members or people from their past. And so I've greatly enjoyed enjoyed seeing how people are affected by a story. And I'm just one of, of millions, you know, like my story is just a drop in the bucket, to be honest. But if, with, if a lot of us have a drop in the bucket and are willing to share like that, that makes quite a large body of water <laughs> and water so healing and beautiful, right? We need it. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners actually where they can find you? Yes, I would love to. So I hang out a lot on Instagram and my Instagram handle is at Ash Abercrombie, just like the store Abercrombie and Fitch, no relation, but just like the store. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can head over to my website, which is just ashabercrombie.org. And I have so many resources over there, three different version Bible studies. We have blogs over there. We have videos that you can watch, things that you can download. And it would be such a joy for me to connect with you. Awesome. Do you mind if I pray really quickly? Oh, I love it. Yes. Okay. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for Ashley. I thank you for her heart and her willingness and her obedience in sharing her story. And thank you, Lord, for not allowing her to live in shame and freeing her from that and giving her grace and forgiveness and love that you offer to every single person in this world, every single person listening right now, Father. And we are just so thankful. We lift our listeners up to you today. We pray that any women who are struggling with bondage and feeling stuck in their sin and feeling stuck and their shame or their regret, Lord, that you will free them, that you will show them who you are, how much you love them, how deeply and how wide, Lord, that you love them and that they are not stuck, that there is freedom, Lord, and that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but there is so much more for their lives and you have overcome the enemy and you have overcome the world, Father. And so, Mm 
we just pray for any hearts that are being touched right now, any women who are listening and feeling drawn to you, Lord, that they will seek you and they will find you, Lord, that you'll bring people alongside them to love them, Father, and um, just to show them who you are, that we sometimes don't portray who you are in the best way, Lord, but that they will look to you instead of to Christians and, and their actions, but that as Christians, God, you will give us the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to be better and to be better for you and to make your name known. So we just thank you so much for Ashley, for her heart, Lord. Um, Continue using her, Father, to change lives and to change stories and her ministry, Lord. We pray that you just bless it and put your hand upon Mm. it. And we love you and ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, much, Ashley, of course. (laughs) And everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a second and screenshot it. um, Tag us in the episode, Living Easy Podcast, and let us know if you enjoyed it. And um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. It helps us to get amazing interviewees like Ashley (laughs) and also keep on keeping on. Love you guys. If you have been enjoying the Living Easy podcast, the most thoughtful thing that you can do is to share the love. If you're ever impacted or encouraged by an episode, simply take a quick screenshot and tag at Living Easy podcast and share on Instagram or Facebook or simply text it to a friend or family member who may need to hear it. The more you share, the more of an opportunity we all have to bring hope and joy to the people around the world. So let's do it together. Thank you all so much for your support and we'll talk to you next time.